sometimes unconventional, but always entertaining. They're kooky and they're spooky. It's time to cross to the other side. Welcome to Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. Spooksters, darksiders, parastalkers, grand poobars, paralurkers, and all the rest of the demons, fairies, ghosts, and ghouls that may be out there listening to tonight's show on the Newcastle Live Radio. I think I got it all in. I think my, you did. My name is Anne Regovich, and with me is Renata Daniel. And we welcome you to this week's delightful show where we will actually be just a tad depressed. Yes. Do you know why, Renata? We're either back or just coming back. We're about to get on the plane and come home. I know. But we're in London at the moment. Yep. And we're hitting up all the bookshops. Yep. No doubt. And um, we'll we'll be... I think part of us will be keen to come home. No. (laughs) No. She misses her pugs. (laughs) And a husband. I do. I do. I'll be, I'll be missing them. Yes. I just think of the joy that, uh, especially Ragnar, when he sees you after a month of being away. Oh, yes. I yes, came that home. That little tail will be wagging. Yeah. Yeah. I came home after our tour last night and I've walked through the front door and this is like midnight and Max is going, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh, if only my husband was that happy to see me. <laughs> He was in bed snoring. But we have got another jam-packed show for you. We've got um, stories from the Tower of London Mm -hmm. and the London Underground. We figured since we're in London for these last couple of days, we'll treat you to some of our True Hauntings podcast stories and information Mm -hmm. uh, that um, just might spice up your ghost stories in your life. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm thinking of things to say here. Do you Mm. have any paranormal news for us this week? I do. I actually have some paranormal news from a place uh, where we have uh, recently done a podcast, The Skirred Inn, and that we would have by this stage visited and had our own ghost stories. We hope. Mm. Oh, geez. I hope we get a ghost story from at least one of these locations. So do I. I'm so depressed in going to these places and really (laughs) nothing happens while we're there. And, of course, that never means that that there isn't anything that happens. It just isn't happening when we're there. Yeah. We mustn't be special enough, eh? No, we're not. Or we repel the ghosts. You know how some people are ghost magnets? Ghosts always around when I'm here. We repel them. I know. (laughs) I know. So I'm going to get on with this story. Now, this story uh, came up actually earlier this year. Uh, So it's it's relatively new. Mm -hmm. So it's it's quite important to, you know, how we would have felt at the Skirred Inn. All right, come on, tell me some more. So this um, story starts with, I run a haunted pub where a woman claimed a ghost tried to kill her. (gasps) Oh, no. The Skirred Mountain Inn is steeped in myths and stories of hauntings. Landlord Jeff Fiddler told us what it's like to own a pub that's sought to have ghostly residents. Ooh, oh, so exciting. The Skirred Mountain Inn sits in the shadow of the hills and mountains of Monmouthshire. That's, that's as close as I'm getting. Uh, with views uh, looking over Skirred 4 and surrounded by green fields, the inn is steeped in history. But the pub has become renowned for its supernatural reputation. Now, that's the pub, remember, that's got the stone out the front where everyone had to get up on to get onto their horse. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, we're going to yeah, I hope we've done something with that by this stage. Right, okay. Um, There'll be a close up of someone's butt, no doubt. <laughs> Landlord and Barry native Jeff Fiddler said he became fascinated with the inn's history back in two thousand and five and the sixty two year old owned a pub in Hedford Hertfordshire. Sorry, when he said he and his wife had a hankering to return to Wales. I've got a hankering, love. So after seeing the Skirred Mountain Inn in one of the trade papers and becoming intrigued by the site's history, the reputation, oh, and reputation, Jeff and his wife made the move back to that side of the border. I only knew the myths going back to when I was a kid. Even then, people would mention about the Skirred having a ruinous past and a spooky past. It's always had a reputation for being eerie. 
Well, it's quite old too. It's one of those places where you're comfortable. As soon as you walk through the door, you can feel the atmosphere immediately. Now, there are claims that the inn was used as a rallying point for local supporters of the revolt against Henry IV, led by legendary warrior Owain Glinda. I've probably butchered that completely. I was going to hit the Glinda sound effect on the machine here, but (laughs) my husband has been in the room and he has moved things. It's the pink. Hang on. There you go. It's Glinda. It's Glinda. (laughs) Uh Oh, God. Oh, he's, he's rolling in his grave now. Yeah, he's a warrior. That, you can't do that to a warrior. Um, a popular... I'm a warrior. I worry all the time. <laughs> <laughs> a popular legend has it that he rallied his troops in the inn's courtyard before raiding nearby settlements that were sympathetic to the English. It's even rumoured to have inspired Shakespeare through a practice that is still carried out at the inn today. Every night the pub puts out a small tankard of beer at the front door in an old custom to ward away the devil. Oh, I just gave her a heart attack. Oh. She wasn't expecting that. No. That Somebody has actually put the volume up on that really loud. I'm just going to pop that back down. Sorry if we scared the listeners at home. <laughs> so the Celtic tradition is known as the Puika Cup in Wales, with the idea being that the devil will take a sip of the ale from the cup and move on. What an awesome tradition. There's a tenuous link that Shakespeare might have used the Puika Cup to name Puck in A Midsummer's Night Dream, with Puika being anglicised to Puck. Yes, it's actually Puka. The, the way it's pronounced was Puka. I remember that from the podcast. Okay. I know it's got a W in it, but this is Wales. <laughs> he added that many of these stories are word of mouth and have passed down from generation to generation. But along with these myths, stories of ghostly figures and unexplained phenomena also, do, 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 do. Uh, also surround the pub. It has a reputation for being haunted by a number of ghosts and being the scene for unexplained occurrences. The main resident ghost is a lady called Fanny Price. Hello, Fanny. Who died in the 1800s. Her gravestone is perfectly visible just 300 metres away from the road, Jeff said. I wonder if you smell um, lavender around (laughs) Fanny. I you had to ask. Nearly, nearly. <laughs> nearly. Fanny around, Fanny? <laughs> Fanny around Lebanon? Oh, <laughs> that was just so close. Before she's seen or sensed, there's a strong smell of lavender perfume. Oh, my God, there is. <laughs> Hello, Christy. Here you go, Christy. <laughs> the kind you associate with your grandmother, that sort of musty lavender <laughs> smell. <laughs> now we know why. And Crinkling of a dress. Oh, guys, you have to go back and listen to the earlier Spooky Sundays podcast. Oh, you will know dear. what that's all about. Fanny is thought to have spotted, been spotted around a dozen times since Jeff has been in the inn. Believed to have been in her 30s when she died, it is thought she left children behind. When sightings come, she is almost ever present in one of the rooms upstairs. Sometimes when ladies take off their jewellery to go to sleep, they say they wake up and it's been rearranged. Almost in a childlike manner, in a kaleidoscope of rings, earrings, and so on. Ooh. Oh, don't touch my ring. We'll, we'll do that. We'll do that as an, as an experiment. Well, touch my ring. No, thanks. There, that's the one that gets me because I'm not a fan of ghosts, to be honest with you. So despite the myths and stories of apparitions that surround the building, Jeff says, and he's the landlord, that in the 16 years that he has been at the pub, he has only seen a full, fun, full figure once. <laughs> what did, sorry, what did you say? figure once. Yeah, I'm a full figure. It was daytime and it was the sort of figure you see on a Toby jug. A coachman with a tricornered hat and almost a long, uh, almost like a long scarlet coat on. I know those those Toby mugs that look like that. That's mm. a really good description of mm. it. People always asked if I was scared, and for some reason I wasn't. <laughs> the thought of it scares me, but at the moment it was uh, more amazement than fright. It was once. Uh, it was over in a glance, and over the years I've tried to convince myself that I didn't see it, but I know I did. He's a full-figured bloke as well. 
Oh, and there is <laughs> there is a view from the Skirret Inn to the mountain. Ah, oh, the Skirret Mountain. It Mountains. is beautiful. Now, tell me about the one that we're going to be murdered. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting oh here, I'm getting God. here. Um, but it uh, that isn't the only paranormal experience Jeff has had at the inn. He had been at the pub for just one week and was there with his step grandson uh, who was about four at the time and who asked to go to the toilet he came back seconds later and said the man in the long dress won't let me in that frightened me more than what any customer has ever said Jeff said we certainly wouldn't have told him about the reputation of the pub being a four-year-old he wouldn't have realized that gentlemen in those days would have worn a cloak or a robe being a brave man that I was I said wait until your nan comes home (laughs) 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 Um, yes through the though the hauntings uh, interest me immensely you only have to walk through the door to see that it is not a themed pub the door itself has been hanging there for centuries now um of course, he talks about the uh, the noose, the rope, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just getting down to this Wasn't story. Was it a story about the, a lady in a bathtub or something like yes, that? Yes, 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 yes. Jeff said that despite the many reports of ghostly sightings from customers, there has been just one malevolent incident in the pub. A lady came down dishevelled. She'd been in the bath. She was wet and she had a coat over herself. The woman said she had been in the bath in room one and that she'd been held underwater but hadn't actually seen anything. The funny thing was that she said, she's tried to kill me. Jeff said most women, if anything, would probably have said he tried to kill me or it tried to kill me because she hadn't seen anything but she was 100% convinced that it was a woman holding her down. Wow. And when we're there... Um, we're allowed to have the choice of any of the rooms because there's nobody else booked that night. And they actually said we can have a room each. So we're going to get room one and somebody's going to have a bath. Uh. But it's going to be a very shallow bath. So the woman uh, left the pub soon after the incident with Jeff saying that she was distraught and shaken, but he never saw the lady again. The incident was reenacted on the Supernatural documentary series Extreme Ghost Stories. Oh, I like it. I like it a lot. Now, uh, is that are you finished now with that one? I can be. There is more, but never mind. Well, I just wanted to tell you what was coming up this week for us. Yes. Apart from, um, you know, what do you call it, depression. <laughs> we are currently in London. Yes. We are going to try and stop at some of the London underground spots where, and I will talk more about those shortly, that are supposed to be haunted. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we leave on the Monday, but we don't get home till Wednesday the 4th of May. So mm-hmm. we lose the day on the way back. Mm-hmm. I know, bizarre, isn't it? It is, it is. And we will be live on the Thursday night. So we'll get home very early. It's like 5am on, on that morning. And then we're going to be live on Thursday night for our tarot show. So make sure you join us on Facebook on the Anne and Renata dash Frightfully Good. Uh, we may have lots of coffee in our system to keep us awake, but we will be there. Mm-hmm. Um then, Renata, you know what happens on the weekend? I, mean, I think we've got Maitland Jail on the Friday night we get back. Mm-hmm. But on the Saturday, mm-hmm. we are driving down to Gundagai. <laughs> which is like a five to six hour drive. <laughs> and we will still be struggling with uh, uh, jet lag. Because I find when you come home, it takes about two weeks to recover from yes, jet lag. that is Going true. Going over, it's not so much. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got this big drive. We're going to investigate. The, the tour doesn't start till 9 o'clock. Uh-huh. And then we will get back in the car in the next morning. We've got to leave by 10 o'clock because mm-hmm. we've got the radio show on on that night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So We're going to be a babbling mess. I, I can't guarantee what the next <laughs> show is going to sound like, guys. We may just be a puddle on the floor. Oh, you, you can't miss it. You can't miss it. We might have to have a special guest to hold our hand. <laughs> maybe Claire will come back in yes. and do a, a, a review or maybe Crispy will come into the studio live and do some magical moments with us. That's right. Who knows? We'll find someone to come and hold our hand. Uh, maybe even Louise um, from The Juice mm-hmm. might come in with us mm-hmm. if we need help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or Auntie Bonnie who looks after us. Yeah, we won't know which keys to press. No. Nah. 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 It'll be gone. We would have been out of the studio for, for six weeks by that stage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but even after that, Right, so we, we've got our um, Gundagai thing done. Then the weekend after that, we're in Melbourne. Yeah. So all the people that are in Melbourne, we are doing an event at the old uh, Geelong Jail mm-hmm. in conjunction with the 
the group that runs the ghost tours there. So on the Saturday night of the 14th of May, we are doing a ghost investigation at Old Geelong Jail. And it's it's a big jail. It com- is. Com- yep. Compared to some of the others that yep. left behind, this one's a decent size. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll be running some of the experiments and things in there alongside of their team. Then the next day, on the Sunday, we are doing workshops on psychic development. Mm-hmm. And we're doing workshops on Ghost Hunting 101. Mm-hmm. And then that night, we're going to do our uh, uh, Messages from Spirit Tarot show mm-hmm. in the jail. Mm-hmm. How exciting is that? Now, they can book ticket. Don't stop it, Renata. We're fine. We'll, we're <laughs> <laughs> She's shaking her head oh, in sheer no. desperation. <laughs> because, I mean, May, April, May is just crazy for us, but it, it's the best type of crazy. Yeah? Yes, that is true. Um, so you can book that. I think it's through Old Geelong Jail. Um, or we'll have links up onto our page as well. Uh, everybody is welcome, and uh, you can do one of those events, or you can do all four of those events. I think there's you, you get money off the ticket if you do all four. Uh, and then, do you know what happens the weekend after that? Um. Uh, oh, we're going to Norfolk Island. We are oh, for ten God. days. <laughs> So we're running a four-day event from the Friday to the Monday with a beautiful group of people. And then we've got a couple that are staying during the week. But we're going to do a tarot show for them as well on Norfolk Island. And then we've got a second group of people coming over. Renata's going into meltdown over the other side here. Oh. <laughs> uh, that are gonna, now, if you want to come and do that with us, we actually still have some spaces on the second weekend. Now, that would be the 27th to the 30th, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got a little package with all your tours, all your food, all your car hire, all your accommodation. Um, all you've got to do is have your shopping money and grog money and that's about it. You're listening to the Spooky Sundays podcast with Anne and Renata. And welcome back, everyone, to Spooky Sundays. And you are here with... Uh, What's our names? <laughs> Anne and Renata. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. Thank you for that. You just, I'm here for you. You zipped straight in. I've just bought you a you cup saw, of coffee. You saw that blank look on my face and you went, I'm jumping in to save her. I know, I look, I know that look very well. <laughs> but I'm here to talk a little bit about the um, history of the Tower of London. Um, and by this stage, we would have been there. So we have our own stories. And I have already been there. You've been there I've too. I've been there as well. So I don't yeah. know if we, we will actually get there. We don't have a lot of time. Mm. If, yeah. We don't want to be with but, the... But the thing is, we're going there we, with... We don't new, want to be with the unvaccinated. <laughs> well, it's also school holidays. <laughs> oh, so no. we don't, And it's a weekend. Oh, oh, God. It's a whole hell of a lot of yeah. stuff there that we just don't want to face. Um, and I would like to go back because we've got different views on it now. I want to go see the Ravens. That's something I'd be really interested in now. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, anyway, tell us about it. Yep, so the first stones of the tower were laid back in 1078 by King William I of England. So just, just, just imagine that, just, 10, 1078. I'll just say, stop for a moment and think. Yep. That is so, so long ago. And he later became William the Conqueror. But originally, even prior to that, the site was being used as a, a Roman fortress by Emperor Claudius for nearly a thousand years earlier. Like, mind blown. Oh, my God. And some of the old walls still remain. Now, William built his castle keep inside a timber and stone enclosure and it had a ditch and a fence around the north and west sides. So it's very, very similar to all of the other sort of structures around that time where you have a ditch and a fence and, and all of that is um, so that it's it's harder yeah. to get to. Another bloody castle <coughs> and fortress yeah. defence. Uh, and this is this is the white tower that we now see in the middle of um, uh, the the whole Tower of London. So everything mm-hmm. is built now around the, the white tower. And do you know they're selling they're selling bricks or stones yes. in the white tower? Yeah. What happens if someone decides they want to take possession of their brick? Uh, I, I don't think they'll it be allowed to. It must be in the to. contract that you're not allowed to take it home with you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it would be great to say, I own a brick of the White Tower of the Tower of London. It's a great way to um, uh, fundraise for it. Yes. I'd, I'd say they'd have to rent it so it's income that is recurring. Mm, like I don't, I don't five, know. Five quid a year, something like that. I, I mean, that'd be something I'd be willing to do if it was going to save a building. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry, keep going. So the walls of the keep were 15 feet or 5 metres thick and 90 feet, 30 metres high. That's that's huge. 
castle became the Great Tower and William I died in 1087. The tower was finished around 1100 by his sons William Rufus and Henry I. Both became kings of England. Now around 1240, King Henry III used the Great Tower as his palace and he had it whitewashed. So from that period on, it was known as the White Tower. Well, at least people knew where to aim their cannons now. Mm, So 1240. Wow. So he extended the grounds, added extra buildings, and he used the tower to entertain guests and as a prison as well. Now, over the years, there have been various kings and queens that have added to the tower. And today, what you see is nothing like what you have what you ha- would have seen in the 1200s. But, yep, so, so it is. And today, there are 21 towers covering 18 acres. And each of the towers was built for a specific purpose. So some were, were used as prisons. Some housed soldiers, guards and weapons. Some were part of the royal residence or used to keep royal items such as the crown jewels. Sounds like every king that came along had to build a tower. Yeah, absolutely. A moat runs around the whole complex and it was originally filled by the River Thames but in 1830 it was drained and remains dry. Now, I didn't realise that um, it was only um, at 1830 that they actually drained the the moat that all the way up till that point in time it had water in it you must have remembered the day they did that no i was busy having a party somewhere else it's okay (laughs) so as protector of the crown jewels home of the yeoman warders and its legendary guardians the pampered ravens the tower now attracts three million visitors a year Here the ceremony of the keys and other traditions live on, as do the ghost stories of the terrible tales of torture and execution. And now you've also got a wide array of institutions that used to be in the complex, like the Royal Mint, the Royal Armouries, and even a zoo. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and if you go there, you will find that the the zoo part of it um, still has sort of that that energy around it because they've got statues and things uh, around of all the exotic creatures that used to be there underground um, that they received as gifts from people from other lands. Yeah, and they were keeping them in walled-up cages underground. Yeah, horrible. Poor animals. Just horrible. Horrible, horrible. But no, I've actually got a ghost story about the zoo as well. So nice. Yeah. So the the tower controlled the supply of the nation's money. All coins of the realm were made at the tower mint from the reign of Edward uh, um, the first until eighteen ten. And kings and queens also locked away their valuables and jewels at the tower. And even today, the crown jewels are protected by a garrison of soldiers. And yes, they are. Mm. Can get in to see those. Uh, but you've kind of got to go through all of these. I still don't reckon it'd be the real things. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. They're just worth way too much money to stick out in the middle of a museum where there's hundreds or thousands of people going through. Now, just an interesting story. Henry the um, Seventh's personal guards were known as the Beef Eaters. Now, you know why they were uh, called the Beef Eaters? They beef Eaters? Eight beef? Yes. They were permitted to eat as much beef as they wanted from the king's table. See, I must be psychic that I worked that out. I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, I didn't know specifics, but you assume that a beef eater was something to do with eating beef, but Mm. from the king's table, no less. I know, right? Um, And, of course, you've got all of the stories about the decapitated wives of Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn that runs around the whole place screaming yeah don't you be telling my stories no that's okay there's a chapel there 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 was a story about um two young princes being killed and Mm -hmm. and murdered and placed in the walls and things like that they found the the skeletons years later or something yeah the princess of the tower um oh and one of the yeoman warders uh even telling a story about a huge bear that would occasionally appear excuse me sorry going on to ghost stories here sorry um but yes we are all enamored by the ravens Yes. And the story of the ravens is, is is if they leave the tower... Yeah, it's the end of the world or something. Yeah, or no, oh, or the, the, the fall the, of... Ki- the, the the fall of the kingdom yeah. will come. The monarchy. Yep, the monarchy will go. And we got very excited because we did a um, True Hauntings podcast on the Tower of London and we made a comment about something of the ravens and we have had the Raven Master themselves came on and made a comment and went, oh, so my 
awesome. God, yes. they've actually seen our stuff. We were yeah. wrong about something. They corrected us. <laughs> oh, that, that's good. I think they were just talking about. Um, we were saying that something about the somebody was the Raven Master, and they went, "No, that person's actually the assistant. They weren't the the, the main Raven Master." So mm. that's all that was. We weren't wrong that's, about it. There's probably stuff. there's probably more than one Raven yeah. Master anyway. But he has a um, Facebook page anyway. Mm. So follow the Raven Master because yeah. he's always talking about the Ravens. It's a real thing, people. Yeah, it's it a is. real thing, and it's it's, it's cool, and it's fabulous. It's all for the kids, really, yeah. and the adults. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he he can show you how smart these birds really are. Yeah, and apparently the population is declining. Mm. Yeah, little bit. I'd be scared if I was Queen Elizabeth. Now, very very quickly, yep. royal clothes were once kept in the toilet. The wardrobe <laughs> tower was built between eleven ninety and eleven ninety nine during the reign of King Richard the First, and uh, the uh, the wardrobe tower was built to store clothing, jewels, and other personal items belonging to the royal family. Clothing was originally kept in the toilet area, known as the garderobe. The smell of the toilet was said to keep away moths that would eat the clothes. Oh, but the smell was all through your clothes. Clothing for royalty and the rich nobles was expensive. Over time, the word wardrobe became used as a place for storing clothing. There you go. Boomtish. Bit of lavender on it. It'll fix it all up. <laughs> oh, that, uh, look, you look, you can't condense a thousand years of history in, no. in 15 minutes, but you've done well. You've done good, Renata. And now it's my turn, Renata. I get to tell you all about the ghosts of the – oh, no, I'm on the London Underground. That's no good. <laughs> Best I get the right ones up. Of the Tower of London. Mm-hmm. So um, there, there's different ghosts in different areas. Yes. So the first one we're going to talk about is one that you mentioned was Anne Boleyn. Now we know that she was beheaded. She was the second wife of Henry VIII and um, she's really the most famous one that's there. Now She was, she was accused of adultery and incest with her brother George. Oh, yeah, very unpleasant. Nice. Um, so she was beheaded in the tower in 1536. Uh, shortly before her ex- execution, she told the crown not to blame – sorry, told the crowd not to blame her husband who um, had invented the charges so that he could remarry in his futile search for a male heir. So she couldn't conceive – um, and it was always it always seemed to be the wives' fault that mm-hmm. there were no children being produced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever thought it might be the king. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's true. Yeah. So Anne is usually seen near where she was executed, which is now known as the Queen's House, a house that was built by Henry for Anne near the altar in the chapel with where her body lies. There is one guard that likes to tell the story of seeing a hooded figure approaching in the rooms of the tower. Now, the first thing he did was stop, halt, do not go. The figure kept coming towards him, leading the guard to run it through with his bayonet. So he stabbed it. He stabbed it with his steely knife. (laughs) But you just can't kill the beast. I should have had that song in next. Uh, At that point, the guard realised that the figure was missing its head. (gasps) That would be as scary as all hell. It would. Wow, you, I mean, I really hope that some of these stories are real because they're freaking awesome stories. Now we're going to go on to another one, Henry the Sixth. You've got to keep up with all your Henrys. Henry the Sixth met his end as the result of a real life Game of Thrones story. Oh, as the only child of Henry the Fifth, he stood to inherit the the English and the French thrones. So because they were marrying in between the royalty to mm-hmm. try and strengthen ties, mm-hmm. he was in line for both. And I don't imagine that anyone would have liked the idea of either country being real, ruled by the one person. Um, he's had lots of royal skirmishes. In 1471, the War of the Roses raged throughout England. Henry VI was imprisoned by the House of York at the Tower of London. Though initial reports claimed that Henry died broken-hearted of illness in the Tower on May 21st in 1471. The likely truth is far more sinister, hence the reason we have a ghost. Mm -hmm. Soon after Richard of York's son, Edward, seized control of the throne after the Battle of Tewkesbury, the newly minted ruler allegedly called for Henry VI's assassination. 
Henry was stabbed to death as he knelt in prayer in the Wakefield Tower. So he was praying before the altar and was stabbed to death. Mm-hmm. Very Games of Thrones, Game of Thrones, but everybody would have been poisoned as well. That's true. Uh, every anniversary of his death, his ge- ghost is said to appear pacing around the exact spot where he met his grisly end. At the last stroke of midnight, he disappears. <sighs> now look, great you know, story. This this ghost apparently turns up on time every year. I know how I, good is I that? I have cameras set up I, everywhere. Yeah. I mean, he's like clockwork. I'd like to see that footage. Mm. Mm. Anyway, Lady Grey, Lady Jane Grey. I don't think it's our Earl Grey one. No. Different one. And her husband. Uh, so we have Lady Jane Grey's relatives convinced her that she was the rightful heir to the throne of England because they're all battling over who was going to be mm-hmm. the uh, ruler. You and wouldn't, the, you didn't want to be a wife. You, no, uh, and you no. don't want to be in line for the no. throne because it means you're going to get your throat slit. Yep. Yep. Uh, and uh, that basically sealed her death warrant. As the great-granddaughter of Henry VII, a group of men tried to put Jane forward as the rightful queen. But Henry VIII's daughter, Mary I, had other ideas. When she married Philip of Spain and was crowned queen, she sentenced Lady Jane and her husband, Guilford Dudley, to death. Now, poor old Lady Jane was... What a bitch. I know. She was only sixteen years yeah, old. Yeah, what a what what a bitch. It was just so Queen that, that Mary. There was nobody else that could you know raise a question. Anyway, um, she was sixteen years old when she was executed, uh, and she had had lots of her family beheaded at the tower, including her husband. After his execution, uh, Guilford Dudley's remains were carted past the room yes. where she was being yes, held. Yes. Yep. Oh. There's some cruel people. Undoubtedly, she must have seen this. They would have done it on purpose. Obviously. And, um, and she was led up to the scaffold blindfolded and they had trouble locating the chopping block and asking, what shall I do? Where is it? God bless her little... Oh, her oh. dainty little feet. At the Beauchamp Tower, Dudley's ghost is said to sit weeping into the night. People claim he is responsible for the word Jane that was etched into the walls and is still visible today. Oh. Yeah, I'd like to see that, knowing yeah. what it is now. Yeah. As for Jane, she was spotted uh, only in 1957, a lonely figure walking amongst the battlements. Oh, dear. So many stories. Now, I'm going to make sure I get down to this one down here. Uh, where is it? Oh, the grizzly bear. I wanted to tell you about that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is one of the most strange phantoms of the Tower of London and that of a bear that once lived in the Royal Menagerie. In 1210, King the John established a menagerie of animals at the Tower that were used in fights for spectators' amusement. Mm-hmm. That's disgusting. We um, we came across that in Romania too oh, where they did. had the bear pits. The, we never got to the bear pits. We were no, too busy, we were too busy talking to dead people. <laughs> with a Romanian translator because they were answering in Romanian. We had no idea what was going on. The awful practice was incredibly popular with the people and over the years it transitioned into a kind of zoo where people could see see strange beasts from all over the world, including a polar bear. I wonder if they had a kangaroo. A polar bear? How would it even cope? I, just I don't think they had a kangaroo because Australia wasn't found back then. No, no, no. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, a polar bear trying to cope in those sorts of conditions, yeah. Mm. Uh, eventually, Duke of Wellington moved the animals into London Zoo in 1832, which was better than where they were. And it's believed that uh, troubled spirits of the beast from years past still haunt the tower. Mm. Visitors have reported the cries of animals, including lions and monkeys, and one guard at the tower claimed a spectral bear charged at him only to disappear as soon as he stabbed at the creature with his bayonet. They're doing lots of stabby stabbies with yeah, their bayonets, they aren't they? They stab everything. Yeah, just in, if you know, not sure, stabby stabby. Uh, the guard was carried senseless to his quarters where he died. Two days later. Had a, uh, had a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah, it freaked him out that much. But look, there's other stories as well. There is Margaret Pole. 
the white lady who's from the White Tower, the princes, the two young boys that have been found. They're, uh, they've been seen in the tower. The late 15th century guards who are passing the stairs in the bloody tower spotted the shadows of two small boys gliding down the stairs. Sir Walter Raleigh is seen there. Another uh, grey lady is seen there. Arabella Stewart, Guy uh, Fawkes, who I've put the heading there is Guy Flakes, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> there is a smothering force. It goes on and on. Listen to the True Hauntings pod- podcast on this one, guys, to get the full story of all of the ghosts of the Tower of London. It is a great podcast even if I say so myself. You're listening to Spooky Sundays on Newcastle Live Radio. We're going to the London Underground. Oh, let's go down. Mm. So this is known as the Tube because it is one big freaking huge tube. And when we go back to the 1850s in Victoria and London, it was not a pleasant place, especially for the traveller. There was a gentleman called Gustave Doré who recorded the hideous congestion as pedestrians, horsemen and horse-drawn vehicles jostled for space on its overcrowded streets. There was only one smell in the air, Anne, and it wasn't lavender. No, I bet it wasn't. <laughs> it was horse poop. Oh, see, I don't mind the smell of, of horse poop. Um, and thousands of tons of it, which um, meant that the flies were worse than Australia. Horrible, <laughs> horrible. Uh, and so there was this thing about how how do we do this? How can we create something that um, diverts? Uh, people off the street in some way but gets them around. So they came up with this ingenious idea, which is like crazy when you think about it, to actually go underground and to build a railway system underground. Yeah, for, for back then that would be like, oh, you guys, are you've lost your marbles. Yeah, you've lost the plot. Yeah, absolutely. So the solution to London's problems of congestion and filth required an unorthodox combination of heroic engineers, egotistical financiers and visionary managers. Uh, The engineers working with new materials, new machinery and new techniques built the world's first underground railways and the first tunnel beneath a river. (gasps) That's even crazier. Yep. They were initially condemned by the press for their folly and then praised for their vision. Uh, and uh, it, I, we kind of, uh, we of course did a uh, a story about this, and all of the people that were associated with this in the first instance either um, were jailed or uh, committed suicide or went bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, so crazy, crazy. Uh, but people paid a lot of money to go on to this, and you would wonder why, because. All of the smell coming out of the um, train was captured within this little <gasps> bubble of a tunnel. Ooh. So they, they would have, as they went along, almost choked to death. They'd be gagging. Yeah, in, in the steam engines, you know, Ooh. smell and everything. But this, it was something so bizarre and so amazing that they just had to, had to, had to um, take advantage and be part of this newfangled device. Oh, it's something new. You've got to give it a crack, don't you? Yep, yep. So in the years between the two world wars, London's underground railway was the envy of other nations, setting standards of comfort, reliability and design to which other systems aspired. In the post-war period, it had struggled to cope with London's ever-growing passenger traffic despite chronic underinvestment though its connections to Heathrow, the world's busiest airport, uh, made more uh, fulfilled the dream of making it a link uh, to an international transport system. So um, the underground progressed and became huge. Mm. And we do know that there were a number of stations that were created and then abandoned. Um, and some of those you're going to be talking about. And some of them they have actually made um, into like ghost platforms. Yeah. Where you can go and do a, a tour underground and visit some of these They platforms. need to make them into a motel or something like that. Yeah. That'd be cool. And of course the underground was used during the war um, as a place where people went. Bomb shelter. Uh, when, yeah, as, as bomb shelters. So 
this amazing idea, this amazing dream created by one person who would, at that point would have met so much resistance because it had never been done before. It was this project that was like crazy yeah. has turned into this worldwide marvel. Yeah. Um, it employs a whole lot of people. It's used a bazillion times a day. It gets people around. Um, and I'm sure that during our time in London, we will get on and uh, go for a I ride. I hope so, because I, last time we went, we didn't get on the tube because we had a car and we've been tossing up whether we hire a car or we just go with the tube. So I think that's something we need to decide in the next day or two, Renata. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, for us here in Australia, it's only two weeks before we go. So mm-hmm. this, as we said, this is a pre-record we've done for you guys so that you can follow our journey as we go throughout uh, our, um, what do we call it? England Mis- misadventure, yeah, misadventure, <laughs> and in Renata's misadventures, uh, and it's at the haunted. What was it sacred, sacred bush and holy holes tour of Ireland? Yes, and the naughty and haunted trip of England. That's right. I think we've got it all. Okay, you got anything more to add to that? Ah, uh, no, we'll leave it at that because we want to get to the ghost stories. But wasn't there also something about the cleaners within the tunnels? I can't remember. The Fluffers? Oh, the Fluffers. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the story of the Fluffers? They were cleaning the, all the dust and everything off the tracks so that the train ran smoothly. Apparently, because um, that many people travel through the tube every day, there is hair and skin cells and fingernails and, you know, people sit there and pick their fingernails and flies out. Ew. So there, it collects... In the tracks, and there is a job called the fluffers that used to go through the tunnels and clean all of that stuff out of there. Wow. I'm glad yeah. you remembered that. that, that oh, it's just, stuck in my mind. That, yeah, it's not, not in my brain. It's stuck in my mind. And I remember I had a, a story of running for the tube. We were trying to get to a ghost tour that my husband and I were going on, my travel companion that I used to, go, used to travel with mm-hmm. before he got too busy with his bloody business that he runs with his mate um so no not that i know anything about running businesses with my, my best friend anyway um uh, we were running for the tube and i rolled my ankle <laughs> to the point that i thought i had broken it mm-hmm. and um i knew that we we had to keep going so i'm sort of going no just keep going just keep going so i'm doing that run hobble thing to to get there and we got down and it was, of course it's all those freaking flights of stairs and escalators and when you get to the top of those escalators and you look down it's actually breathtaking yeah it is so steep and so far and it's yep. normally just the first one of many yeah. as it dives down into the earth. Yep. Yep. So we eventually did get on the train, we got on the tour, we did what we had to do, I got back and that night my ankle was so swollen and that sore that I could not put any weight on it. I thought, that's it, it's done, mm-hmm. I've broken it. And I remember that I was busting to go to the toilet and God love him. <laughs> I remember you saying <laughs> <Yeah>. this. <laughs> he said... Uh, I'll get you a towel. You just pop it between your legs. You pee on that and I'll, I'll deal with it. Like, no, help me get to the toilet. I will not do that. <laughs> but that's love for you, ladies oh, and is. gentlemen. It's love. He was willing to deal with a peed on towel for his beloved oh, no. wife. Anyway, I just thought I'd share that one. Now it's my turn to talk to you about the, the ghost stories. The ghost yes. oh, You know, there's a whole book. On the different ghost stories mm. of all of the different stops. And I mean, not every single stop has a ghost story, but there is even a map. Seriously, there is a map. Now, I've, I had it open, ready to go, but as normal, it's now disappeared. Mm-hmm. Of all the haunted um, All the haunted stations. stops yep, yep. that you could stop at. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember one of them as being Scratching Fanny. I thought that was a really good stop that we could – well, it was a description of the ghosts that um, – you. <laughs> Go back. Just I, go I, back. No, go no, back. no, no. I've got it here. I've got it here. Don't you worry about it. I've, I've got it all under control. Anyway, let me tell you the first story here. We have Covent Garden. So we all know that's where Eliza Doolittle mm-hmm. <laughs> went, Aye! <laughs> 
Since the station doors first opened its doors, there have been stories of a tall man in a hat and a cloak wandering the corridors after dark. It has terrified some tube workers so much that they requested a move to a less haunted Less haunted. Mm, not, a less haunted. Not a not haunted, just, just a, a less haunted, haunted underground station. Mm-hmm. And frankly, we don't blame them, do we? Oh, no, I'd be there. The charming character is supposed to be the actor William Terrace, who was murdered in 1897. Not Raymond Terrace. No, no, no. no. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Who brought you? Just a local joke there, people. Anyway, um, before his untimely demise, he used to frequent the bakery that once stood on the site of the Covent Garden station and now stalks the corridors instead. Whether he's looking to avenge his death or simply angry at the lack of cronuts, we're not really quite sure. (laughs) (laughs) He's sad that they've taken his pastry shop. (laughs) I'd be sad too. Oh, the poor bugger. Um, all right, let's go. We're going to find another one. Oh, we, we need a nun one. A nun? Nuns. nuns. Oh, I haven't talked about nuns for weeks. I know. Let's, let's crack one out. And uh, we had <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, who made us the wonderful Robert doll, <laughs> yep. asked us, you know, what do you think she would work for? Because she's crocheting up this this um, thing where she's going to put cat balls into it and use it as a trigger object. And she said, had this list of ones that she thought would be the best for trigger objects. And mm-hmm. she had like a cat, mm-hmm. a Raggedy Ann doll, a nun. <laughs> nun oh. Nuns terrify me at any time. I don't think I'd go near them. Anyway, uh, since the 19th century... This is at Bank Station, by by the way, Bank, B-A-N-K, in case you didn't know how to spell bank. There have been sightings of a sinister figure in black stalking the passages of Bank Station. Mm -hmm. A putrid smell (laughs) wafting throughout the station is commonly reported, as well as a pervading sense of sadness. That could just be, well... Bank Station. The smell can be explained by the fact that Bank Station was built on top of a mass grave. Oh, wow. Now, there was plague pits that were created throughout London yeah. and they would just dig a big hole mm-hmm. and they would put all the bodies in because people were dying that quickly. Mm-hmm. They couldn't deal with it. It's like the pandemic we had now. If they hadn't put in all those stops to slow it down, mm-hmm. we would have been in a similar situation. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they've they've just had to shove all the bodies into there and bury them in a pit. And then, of course, when they've started digging for the tunnels of the underground, they've they've bumped into some of these pits. Uh, so um, was it that smell that was from the mass grave? But the sinister figure is known as the Black Nun. She said to walk the tunnels and mourn her executed brother who worked at the old bank, which gave the station its name. I wonder if there's any truth to that whatsoever. Yeah, it sounds a little bit weird, mm. but never mind. Mm. Then we have King's Cross. Now, King's Cross in Australia has a whole different meaning, doesn't it? Yes. King's Cross. Tragedy stuck King's Cross Station, St. Saint, uh, Saint Pancreas, King's mm-hmm. Cross Street, St. I don't know, Underground Station in 1987. So this is pretty new. A total of 31 people were killed and more than 100 injured. The following year, a woman reported seeing a distressed woman went to go and help her, but instead the woman passed straight through her. Mm. The woman is described as being dressed in modern clothes and is said to scream loudly and have her arms outstretched. And it's not just her that's... I've got goosebumps. Mm. Um, It's not just her that's seen it. There's been numerous sightings of this particular lady. So I wonder if that's a residual thing. Yeah, it it would be, but um, absolute shock. This person sounds like they're in absolute shock with what's happened. I've I've heard other people describe that as being stuck in a death state, but I think it's not stuck in a death state. I think it's just a recording that was so traumatic. Well, it's an incident that was so traumatic that it imprints itself on the location Uh and certain things trigger that thing to play back. Uh-huh. Who knows? We won't know till we're dead. No. We can only guess. Right, we've also got the British Museum Holborn stop. Uh, so the, this train station is one of the ones that has now been abandoned. It hasn't been used for over 80 years. 
However, the sheer malevolence of its resident ghosts means that it is a truly terrifying haunted underground stop. Many people believe that the long-abandoned British Museum tunnels are haunted by the ghost of the Egyptian god Amun-Ra. I love this story. Yeah, he's no no Casper the Friendly Ghost, uh, but there was two women that disappeared from Holborn Station, as it was known as, in 1935, and they are blaming Amun-Ra for their um, disappearance. The rumour goes that there's a secret tunnel connecting the Egyptian room at the British Museum to Holborn. Logic suggests that the ghost of Amun-Ra has been using the tunnel to travel to Holborn and snatch the tube passages to take back to his lair. Sounds more like a um, vampire story. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, what do you call it? a serial killer that's using it. If it's there, yeah. it's not not a ghost. But how convenient to blame it on poor Amun Ra. Uh, all right. Oh, Highgate. You know, last time we were in that area, we did go to Holgate, uh, Highgate, but we could only yes. get to one side of it. Yep. And they only open the other side on certain days. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we can get to the other side. I hope so. Oh, we could finally get to the other side. Yeah, that might not be good. Uh, so, of course, when you talk about Highgate, you immediately think of the cemetery. Uh, but we're actually talking about the station. And during the war, it was used as an air raid shelter. Uh, so um, let me just read this here. In fact, there's a lot more to do with the mid-century Northern Line Extension Program. The extension left a stretch of track at the North London Station unused. Not only was the platform decommissioned, but the tracks were taken away completely. People have reported hearing the sounds of a train coming down the no longer existent stretch of track. Oh, So we've got a ghost train. Look, there's so many more. There's, I've got old... Oldgate, um, South Kensington, um, Elephant and Castle. Once again, head to the True Hauntings podcast. We'll hear some more of those stories. But there's a book on it as well. Mm, It's amazing. And we are graced in the studio this week with the delightful, gorgeous and delicious, cheese-loving and nut-crunching Christy from Spells and Spirits. Hello. 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 Oh, hang on. Amazing. (laughs) Amazing. Don't get used to this. Once we're back in the proper studio, it'll be gone. So how's Ireland going? It's fabulous. It's a bit cold, a bit wet, but Mm -hmm. boy, it's so green. You've never seen green. And you should have seen the holy holes we've found and the sacred bushes. Yes, and the soda bread and the Irish butter. Yeah, we may not fit into the plane chair on the way back. No. But, um, yeah, we're having a great time. Feet's a bit sore, but, you know, we're good. And so for people listening... Oh, and Danielle says hi. Hello, bestie. (laughs) So people listening at home, where can they follow your adventures? YouTube. Anne and Renata goes to grannies. She hates it, I know, but we're using it at the moment because people are looking for it. (laughs) (laughs) we're, We're affectionately known as the ghost grannies. That's not who we are. We are Anne and Renata Ghost Hunters. Thank you for clearing that on. <laughs> now, Christy. Now, tonight, as promised, um, last week, um, Anne mentioned that a lot of our listeners were wanting some more information on cinnamon. Have you ever done that that um, thing that they do the where they make you the challenge where you've got to... Do you want to try like, it right now? I'll have, go get some cinnamon for you. Have a, tea, a tablespoon of cinnamon? No. And eat it? No. She's not stupid. I haven't eaten Tide Pods either. Mm. What are they? Tide, That's Tide, Tide pods, pods, the dishwashing, uh, the washing machine things that went through a phase where kids in America were eating those. They're eating dishwasher tablets. Mm. Mm. That's stupid. Yeah, kids are smart these days. Obviously. Yeah. Okay, tell us about. Cinnamon. Yes, that's how I have to say it, cinnamon. So cinnamon is perhaps one of the most widely used herbs in spellcrafting. Um, you could essentially toss it into any, cell, any spell and it would make sense. Be nice on nuts too. It would, would, and sprinkled on cheese. Um, I've lost the plot now. So cinnamon can be used for protection, luck, love, healing, prosperity, spiritual awareness and aiding psychic powers. On top of that, cinnamon can be added to any spell to help it act more quickly or to simply give it that little bit of an extra boost. Mm. 
It smells really nice mm. too in your spills. And if you mix it up with a bit of sugar and, and put it on buttered toast. <gasps> I haven't had that since like my great-grandmother was oh, no, alive. What's the name of that cafe that was next to the Tower Cinemas? And we always used to go there when, yes. when you know yeah, what it is. Yes, yes. And did. I used to ask, can we please have floppy, floppy cinnamon toast? Floppy. So they're actually talking about the Tower Cinemas was the cinemas near the Lucky Country in yeah. Crown Street, Newcastle. But there was a coffee shop next and it began with an S, I think. Yeah. Sir, sir, so serious? Sir, sir. Cerise? No, no, I'm going to take a punt. I wasn't born. Excuse you you are you old. Sarah Ceres? That's what it's S-E-R-I-S. Yeah. Ceres. Yeah. Okay. Well, you could get your cinnamon toast there. And they had red lounges and you could go out the back. It's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, it was so exotic back then. I mean, we're, we're going back, what, 30 years? They had Hawaiian oh, toast, oh yeah, Hawaii. toasted fingers. Oh, my Hawaiian God. God. How cheese. foreign. <laughs> and they oh. cut it up into fingers for you mm-hmm. and it was just finger delicious and mm-hmm. good. Melted uh, cheese? Melted cheese. <laughs> just, just melted. Just <gasps> melted. I'm sure they used to cut up those craft. Remember how you used to get craft in a block? The plastic cheese. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they used to cut And it was up. on the shelf. It wasn't even refrigerated. No, you didn't have to refrigerate that stuff. God, now I am old. Right, sorry, on to cinnamon. Okay, so if you're looking for a way to shield your home from negative energies, tie together some cinnamon sticks and hang them above your door. Um, so you can, most common number is nine. So putting nine cinnamon sticks together. So you can also lay the cinnamon sticks across your windowsills if you're worried about other thresholds. So really, if you were Sam and Dean, you would swap those cinnamons for salt. Right. Because we know that that works so much better. <laughs> so they can't blow the cinnamon sticks as well as they, oh, they can. Right. They can actually, the salt. They, they roll. <laughs> yeah, they roll. Damn it. With that, so um, just like the use of traditional sage, burning cinnamon incense and spreading the smoke around the area can help dispel negativity and to help you keep the space protected. So another way is to do a simmer pot. So you could throw the cinnamon sticks into a pot of boiling water. Um, Supervised, of course, you can add herbs like rosemary, clove and sage and boil the herbs for a few minutes um, to imbue the water with their properties. Oh, that'd make the house smell beautiful. Mm. So I actually have a um, essential oil diffuser and I just constantly put cinnamon in there and I think that's why I'm eating constantly because everything just smells so yummy. It's donuts. I go, oh, what else can I eat? Donuts. <laughs> so cinnamon can also be used in love and lust spells. Um, Do not wipe it on your willy, it might burn. Yeah, or anywhere else. Yeah, just saying. Yes, so it's quite effective for spicing things up in your love life, injecting strong passion into any relationship. Don't wipe it on your bits. Okay. (laughs) Just one of the listeners. I'm just saying, guys. So tucking a cinnamon stick beneath your pillows can also give your sex a healthy (laughs) boost. Your sex life a healthy boost. Paper's coming up. Can't look at Renata right now. (laughs) So the use of cinnamon essential oil on your person can also help increase your natural sexual attention. Not your bits. No, not on your bits. With that, and lastly, cinnamon for prosperity. So money, um, cinnamon is a wonderful drawing um, herb for money. Um, on the first day of the month, you can just sip in, please sprinkle some cinnamon into the palm of your hand, open up your front door and blow the cinnamon into your front door. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, that would be magical, magical, magical. Um, with that, so to help blow prosperity and money straight into your house, exactly where you want it. Perfect. Perfect. But of course, alternatively, you can always use cinnamon oil as well. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, in Europe, they put cinnamon sticks and dried fruit all together and hang them up just before mm. Christmas. So the whole house just smells like like Christmas. It does. And it glue vine. Like yeah. You can put a cinnamon quill in glue vine and stir it up. And in what? Glue vine. What's glue vine? The, the, the um, drink, hot drink, hot mead. Glue not, vine? Yeah, you've not heard of that. No. no. I'm making shit up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there is what? something called glue vine. Glue vine? Yeah. It sounds horrid. Oh, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to be right, I'm sure. Okay. Where can we find Christy? Can't we call it like spiced wine or mulled wine or something yeah, like that? Wine. 
glue just, vine. That's terrible. Tasty. Yum. I'm on the internet looking for it. All right. While she's on the internet, you can find me on spellsandspirits.com.au or on Facebook, Spells and Spirits, and I post the best memes. Yes. There it is. All right. She's looking up glue vine. Mold wine. G-L-U-H-W-E-I-N. I am right. Glue vine. Like I said, mold wine. Glue vine. And look, there's a freaking cinnamon stick sticking out of it as well. Glue vine. Looking at me like that. I know my stuff, I do. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's also got rum in it, which, you know, that that will... Okay, so it it looks like it's sort of either German or Swedish or something. Glühwein. I'm all right, smutty pants. Glühwein. I need to be sitting in a hot tub surrounded by snow with one of those. Yeah. All right, we've got to get out of here. Thank you so much, Christy from Spells and Spirits. I think we've already said where we find you, haven't we? Yeah. Now, good. All right, we will see you next week. Bye. You're listening to the Spooky Sundays podcast with Anne and Renata. And we're back for the final segment of Spooky Sundays, the final one where it's not pre-recorded. The fairy's willing. We will be back in studio next week. Yes. Um, But probably by this stage, we have been filming up a storm, Mm -hmm. which you will have hopefully seen lots of lives on YouTube. Um, And we will share those onto the Facebook, but it will be live on YouTube only, only because we can't do StreamYard and everything uh, while we're over there. We can only stream to one thing at a time. But look, this whole trip, um, and leading up to the trip, it has been um, very stressful. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, not only uh, the the trip itself, but you know, will we go? Because whilst we've been doing these pre recordings, we've had the encephalitis um, strain pop up somewhere. Mm-hmm. That then we've got. Putin doing stupid things in Russia, bombing stuff, um, not Russia, in uh, the Ukraine. And, you know, getting on a plane and heading near those areas, mm-hmm. it's been a bit of a stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, we've had to learn new technology. And look, a big shout out to Glenn. Thank you so much. He's he's making us step up and learn how to use our cameras properly, learn how to use our microphones properly. Um, and we we this is all language we've never learnt before about your sound settings and turning yeah. off the automatic gain and having it set so that it's between this level and that level. And hopefully it's going to bring to you guys a much higher quality product. Yes. Um, yep. Because if you're going to survive in this world nowadays, you have to up your game um, because there are so many people out there who are producing things and being um, social media contributors that if there is no way for you to stand out in the crowd, um, there is no way for you to stand out in the crowd. Yeah. um, Particularly in the ghost hunting genre, there's so many people out there who are going onto YouTube. And look, we're having to compete with these younger teams um not that i am competing with them but this is you know you can only watch so many hours a week and you know we're all trying to grab everyone's attention and they're up there going oh we've got demons chasing us through the woods we've got do you hear that noise that's the demon Mm. and um it's all absolute bull dust Mm. all of it it is ratings grabs and we're trying to keep it real yeah yeah we're funny but we're trying to keep it real yeah uh, so we hope that you enjoy have enjoyed our style while we've uh, been away. I hope you've enjoyed the videos. Tell us what's your favourite. Mm. We'd love to know what has been your favourite. Now, can you remember the text number, Renata? 0490 Text it through so that when we come home, we will get back into the studio the following Sunday and we will see all the text messages from you guys telling us what's been your favourite moment or favourite destination of the trip. What's that number again? 0490 Geez, you're good, Renata. I, I, I can't remember it at the moment. <laughs> I can't remember it after you've said it. <laughs> what are you looking forward to, you think, when we get home? Um, my bed. Yeah, seeing seeing my husband, seeing oh, the puppy put him, dogs, put him first, good and girl. and having having time out where I am just behind closed doors where no one is looking at me. You know what? 
Oh, excuse me. I'm not going to be looking at you. I'll go stand in the corner and face the corner. Um, there is something else that you're going to be looking forward to when you come home. Uh, what's that? Your daughter will be about to have a baby. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Monica, don't you have that baby before she comes back? She'll be upset. No. Don't you dare. <laughs> you hold those legs together, girl, and wait till I come home. I'm going to have a baby nephew. I'm going to have a baby nephew, grandson. Grandson. <laughs> grandson. I can't wait. And this will be your first grandchild. Yes. Monica, thank you so much for doing this for her. I know it's a <laughs> sacrifice you have made for your mother. You have. You've sacrificed yourself for she me. She sacrificed thank you, my her womb. Uh, it will never be the same again. No, no. But thank you. Yes. Thank you, thank you. And then we can officially call her a ghost granny. No, I know. We are affectionately known as a ghost granny. Look, guys, we have to head off we can hang up our headphones for a little bit now and uh, just we till will, next week. Just till next week. And then we'll be back next Sunday with a live show and we can't wait to talk to you all about it. Most mysteries can be solved by looking at the facts. But sometimes the facts don't give us the answer. So it's time to call in Anne and Renata. Spooky Sundays, when the truth lies beyond a logical answer. Dive deep into the world of the unknown with real ghost stories and the unexplainable. Sometimes unconventional, but always entertaining. It's Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. Sunday from 8pm, only on Newcastle Live.